I think we're just out of time. I don't want to sound bleak because I'm an optimistic, positive person as a general rule, but it's just the the truth of the matter. You know, we're out of time to not make important decisions when it comes to food. In order to save the planet, in order to do anything that's of value, what we're doing starts with ourselves. We can't be ungrounded in ourselves and make a global impact. This is One on One, a Table for Two production. I am Antoine Aboussamra. I realized that I wanted to be a part of the solution to the things that I was seeing that were wrong within the food and beverage industry because I realized how important, you know, food and beverage and understanding its global impact is and making it sustainable is to the world. In every episode, I invite you to discover the stories of people in the world of food who are on a mission to protect the environment, defend their cultures, or fight for more social and economic justice. One-on-one -on -one will help you redefine your relationship to food. I studied a variety of different types of spiritual traditions, etc. There's so many things we can learn from the world, and one of the biggest things that I've learned is sustainability starts with us. I love what I'm doing. I get so excited about everything that I'm doing right now. I work hard, but taking care of my body more, prioritizing that self-care and working with companies that are just incredible and changing the world. Good morning. It's a great, great, great pleasure to be back for a new episode of the One-on-One -on -one podcast. And today I have the honor, privilege, and pleasure to welcome Jennifer Esteves, founder of Consciously planted a, an organization that is helping entrepreneurs to develop uh, plant-based projects and consciously based projects to, to be sustainable and uh, to protect our dear earth. She's also the founder of Omvino, a uh, communication and PR agency uh, surrounding the world of wine. And she does actually so many, so many different things that is quite incredible. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for such a lovely intro. My first question is um, is a bit on on the sidelines. The yogini <laughs> tigress. <laughs> so yoga yeah, and tiger. Yogini can you? <laughs> I would love to. So I uh, went when I was. 29 to go to India and I did a yoga teacher training and I actually had a very interesting experience where there was a tiger living behind my uh, ashram that I was staying at that oh. would just scare the crap out of me yeah. and you know it's one of those things where it was kind of an existential life-changing moment because I kind of had to live in the fear and the possibility that there's a tiger living behind the ashram that I had to walk by every day but it was in a cage or it was just outside, just roaming oh, around? Oh, no. Oh, it was outside roaming around. <laughs> oh, nice. Did you become friends? Yeah, at some point. I, I think so, yeah. I mean, it's tiger's always been my spirit <laughs> animal. Yeah, I'm still alive. So, it, you know, it left me alone to do my thing. But uh, the tiger's always been my spirit animal anyways. So I found it to be pretty cathartic that it was just hanging out there. And it really made me think about some deeper things as I contemplated, you know, oh, this could be, this could be in the last day. It would be a, I could be a tiger meal today. Um, it was really funny. I would see like tiger claw marks on the trees every morning. And one day it chased an elephant down into, uh, into my ashram area and the elephant knocked out the Wi-Fi. It was, 
pretty crazy experience. But yeah, I've been a yogi for a lot of my life. And then, yeah, the tiger outside of that even was always my spirit animal. So after I wanted to kind of break away, I had my Instagram kind of as a, a work Instagram for a while, I wanted to really break away and diversify and step into my my personal play there with the name. And so that's what came up for me. That's nice. Well, it's uh, it, 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 it catches the attention. That's for sure. Which is, Good. which is, that's which is goal. great. Yeah. Which is, which is, <laughs> yes. which is great. So if I understand correctly, <laughs> you, you have a very centered life, if you can say that, uh, yoga, meditation, spiritual awakening, vegan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been vegan now since 2017, and I've been practicing yoga for a super long time. I'm trying to think how many years it's been now. It's been since, like, I moved to San Francisco when I was 21, so, like, 14 years now. I'm getting old, and uh, it's uh, really something that helps me to, to ground my life and to just, you know, ground my physical body because as a digital nomad, I travel constantly. Uh, another thing that helps me a lot is Qigong and Chinese medicine. I've been learning and studying that actually while I've been traveling abroad in Peru. And so, you know, that and a healthy meditation practice. I really prefer a lot of Buddhist meditation practices. And mm-hmm. over the last year, I've been traveling and learning about that as well while I run my companies and i definitely think that's something that helps me to stay centered and combat burnout which is very easy to come by in this industry yes how do you balance both because it's uh, it's always very difficult to do the uh, having a business or several ones uh and and being the founder of them there's huge responsibilities and mm-hmm. how do you how do you are how are you able to balance that is that you put boundaries do you you know, you shelter your your me time uh, so that you can absolutely. get back to the center. How how do how does that does that work? Uh, boundaries, absolutely. I think that boundaries and developing better boundaries in all aspects of my life, whether that's work or personal, especially over the last few years, has been really crucial in helping me manage my energy and my burnout. And it was something that, especially when I was new into the startup world you know, and I had a lot more energy in my 20s, I definitely did not do I didn't do boundaries. I was just, you know, always excited to take on the next project. And I was very much just a yes. And now I have very confidently stepped into owning my nose, because I realized how much I work more productively, when I take care of my body, you know, absolutely. Yes, if you wanted me to pull an all nighter and work until 4am, I was that person I can be that person if there's like a dire necessity you know something's burning down we have a PR crisis which you know we're pretty good at avoiding these things but it does happen occasionally um you know I could do that I could pull an all-nighter sure but at the same point will I work with more enthusiasm uh with more integrity if I am rested and just get up early Mm. and go to bed at a reasonable hour in my opinion yes Will I work with more integrity and more intuition, like more just connectedness if I am well rested and attentive and energized? 100%. So for me, you know, I, I make time blocks and I try to really be uh, conscious in blocking out time, you know, in the morning, even if it's 15 minutes, some days, you know, you have more time for yourself than others. But I try to be consistent in making time for meditation and for breath work. 
because, you know, breath works help helps you to regulate your nervous system. And so the tension that I bring into work when I don't regulate my nervous system through breath work and meditation helps me to get less done, to be honest, like, it just isn't constructive. So I realize when I do these things, just how much more constructively I work, and I create space, you know, blocking time out and creating space. I do the same thing for my work, you know, I work on projects in chunks. So these personal things that I do, I try to create those spaces and, you know, just have set times when I check out for work. And when I, I really tap into my body and realize that I'm not working at my highest potential because I'm getting stressed or distracted or anxious because I've worked too much. So, yeah, this is important. actually what is, what, is, what is really crazy is that when you slow down, you eventually go faster and better. And, and people don't yeah. realize that. People think that you know, if you sleep or whatever, it's a weakness. But they, they, I can think they can't miss the point as, as a former athlete and, and still, still training. Sleep is, you know, mm -hmm. if you don't have sleep and recovery, the day is going to be very bad. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be very, very I 100% agree. Very bad. And what I found also very interesting is that there is, there are essential things that you're doing for yourself and you're trying to bring these into the work that you do. So there's that centeredness and those values and all the things that you, that, that are making you balanced that you're trying to bring into the businesses and to share that with others how what was the decision at what point did you did you find that it kind of made sense to do that then to extend what you have to other people so in 2020 as many of us did i had to sit with myself and really ask myself what didn't feel aligned in my life mm -hmm. and you know i was working primarily on omvino and i would have some consultations and just side projects that I would work on with people in the food and beverage industry who were starting their own food and beverage startups. And, you know, food and beverage has always just been what I have worked with and what I'm familiar with. And so it was kind of a natural bridge and transition to go from Ombino into Consciously Planted. The work was already there. And I realized in 2020 how I wanted to change and get more specific about that work because I realized that I wanted to be a part of the solution to the things that I was seeing that were wrong within the food and beverage industry, mm -hmm. because I realized how important, you know, food and beverage and understanding its global impact is and, and making it sustainable is to the world. And also to myself, you know, when mm -hmm. people are not eating healthy, when people are not eating things that are, are good for them, it's, you know, it doesn't contribute to building a better society. People are more angry, have more tension, etc. And I've been, um, I've eaten plant-based for my whole life. I grew up that way. And, you know, shifting from vegetarian into vegan in 2017, when I was working with myself in 2020, you know, we had a lot of restaurant quiet clients um, before the pandemic. But, and, and some of them were, you know, meat-based clients. We had steakhouse mm -hmm. we work with and they're wonderful people and wonderful clients, but I had to ask myself, is this truly helpful for what I want to, you know, bring into the world? Is this, mm -hmm. is this truly something for that I want to, you know, continue to promote when I see the damage it's doing? And, you know, how can I be championing that in my work? How can I bring my personal ethos into my work? 
And so again, I've studied meditation, I've studied yoga, I've studied a variety of different types of, you know, spiritual traditions, etc. And, you know, I've even lived in Peru and been studying plant medicine. There's so many things we can learn from the world. And, you know, more than anything, one of the biggest things that I've learned is sustainability starts with us, right? It mm-hmm. starts with us as a human. It starts with us taking care of ourselves, understanding ourselves, tapping into self-care and self-love in all the ways that we can. And so we build ourselves sustainably first. So that means in a company sense, you know, taking care of your company culture, taking care of your people, building sustainable systems, not prioritizing burnout. You can do a startup, you can do, you know, a brand new company without, you know, burning yourself out. Again, that doesn't mean at all that it's not hard work because it will be, but there's still a difference and we can be consciously shifting into that. We make that choice, you know, we consciously make that choice. So I consciously made the choice in 2020 to prioritize creating Consciously Planted. And Consciously Planted, the ethos and goals of Consciously Planted were more synergistic with my own personal goals and that I wanted to help people build conscious companies from the ground up. So starting with themselves, starting with their project planning, their concept development, and you know, moving into everything from their branding, their marketing, their operations and logistics, because I see so many companies that are mission-driven, values-driven, that are you know, nonprofits, et cetera, that have these great ideals and dreams, but they don't know how to run a financial statement Mm. to save their life. They don't know how to organize their, you know, money that they're bringing from fundraising. And so eventually this product is, or, or, or project is also not sustainable. And that, you know, there's no business plan. There's no way for them to really like create a sustainable revenue source. And while these ideas are great and could change the world, they don't because they're not Mm -hmm. fully formed. And so helping people to really think about how they can be sustainable internally from like, you know, an emotional health and well-being standpoint, how they can be sustainable from like a logistical standpoint, and then bringing companies into the world that replace these outdated products and services that we need to get rid of, you know, to create more regenerative, sustainable companies. That is really the goal. And so... Yeah, 2020 made me sit with that and really shift into that. And just even with Omvino, you know, we work with sustainable companies and mm-hmm. we work with really incredible people in food and beverage. And it just feels really good to be aligned in both my work and my life now. Would you see differently now? Would you do something different? No, I love what I'm doing. I get so excited about everything that I'm doing <laughs> right now. I really, truly do. It's It's the best feeling. I work hard. I work so much sometimes, but... Again, taking care of my body more, Mm -hmm. prioritizing that self-care and working with companies that are just incredible and changing the world. You know, something else that I do on top of the consciously planted stuff, which is kind of like an addition and kind of also supports the work that I do there. I work with Beyond Animal, which is basically um, a platform that was created by the folks over at Beyond Impact, an impact investing firm. Mm-hmm. And I bring in startups and investors into this platform. And, you know, I get to help people kind of come together for those transactions to find funding. And it's super fascinating. I love it. You know, I'm just learning about all these different parts of the industry. That company, I've also worked with them on projects to help support, you know, bigger conglomerates to create closed loop supply chains, you know, plugging in these startups that I work with into these different pieces to, you know, help them utilize their side streams, their waste products, all of these things. There's just such a diversity of things to work on that I never would have thought, you know, coming from my background in Mm -hmm. 
starting as a sommelier working in fine dining, you know, who, who would have ever thought this journey would have taken me here. But I, I honestly get excited about it every day. Mm-hmm. There's unlimited things that we can really work on to continue to make the world more sustainable. But it, it kind of makes sense because in the end, everything comes from the food. So if there's no interest on the food, where it comes from, who, do, who, who grows it? Because, you know, it's not in super supermarket shelves. It comes from the land. It comes from one place. So if you are interested in that, you go back to the source. And then when you see what's happening at the source, you're like, okay, there's a problem. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a big, there's a big problem there. Culturally, the, the U.S. is known as a, how can I put this, as a country of extremes, Extreme capitalism, where you know profit and greed is super important, but at the same time, you see a lot of grassroots, a lot of uh, initiatives and companies and startups that are trying to find solutions that are, I'm not going to say opposite, but they're still trying to make money, which is which is fine, but they they are definitely with not with the same mindset. The people that come to you for consciously planted, what kind of cultural approach would they have on on their on the way they you know they. Th- they think or they see their businesses evolving or, or where they want to go? So as I've mentioned, a lot of the people that I work with have missions and visions and values that are aligned with sustainability and just with ethical and moral causes, which is really fun. And again, it's taking those sustainable, ethical, moral thought processes and turning them into businesses because just because somebody has a philosophically amazing idea does not mean this translates on yes, paper not necessarily does not mean this translates <laughs> into a business right and so you know we work with them to really assess if that's possible to do that and how and to formulate these steps because that's really that's really what's missing and it's so cool you know with these there's so many ideas and so many people that are doing incredible things right now business basics that people need are really what can propel them into growing quicker. You know, it's all about building things from the foundation in a, in a sturdy way. And so, you know, if you do that, then it makes it really easy to launch mission driven companies into something bigger and more successful, but there are definitely roadblocks with that. Have you seen a growth in the number of people interested in launching those kind of sustainable businesses? Absolutely. Especially since the pandemic, I feel mm-hmm. that people have become even more conscious, you know, in the pandemic, people spent a lot more time in nature, and a lot more time with themselves. And, you know, some people also spent it, you know, doing push ups and drinking a lot of vodka, but there was very, very polarizing things going on. And regardless, people had to um, be with themselves in quiet, be with themselves in their thoughts. And some of the things that they were finding weren't really comfortable. They had to also be with, you know, the state of the world and tune in. And I don't think that was comfortable for a lot of people. And I definitely um, noticed so many changes in the way that people were consuming. You know, during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. there was a huge boom of interest in plant-based foods. And, you know, that bubble has burst a little bit. And so, you know, we had a lot of people who are investing in these different types of companies. And again, in the pandemic, when there was lots of funding for this, some of these plant-based companies didn't receive investments and plan their expansion in sustainable ways and they're gone. And so now we're still left with creating and continuing that chain of sustainability, but doing it in a more thoughtful way, not just capitalizing on this, you know, bubble that's expanding and going to burst. You know, it needs to be a full 
full circle, full service, you know, thought process around what needs to be created to be of service to, you know, people who are interested in this product to connect with appropriate customers and to really build a company that will be a long-term investment. Yeah, which is difficult, which is very, very difficult. Absolutely. Because starting is a good thing. Getting your first customers is a good thing. But keeping them and being <laughs> consistent and, and, and finding a path to growth is, is very, very hard. Definitely. It's really hard to understand exactly how much goes into making a food product until you've done it. You know, you have to, if you're making a food product, there's so many things you have to think about patents. Is there a patented process you need? You know, how do you, once you're done making this in your kitchen, how do you scale this? Mm -hmm. You know, how do you test for the shelf life? How do you preserve it? You know, yes. what are these things like? I don't you poison people. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Well, and then if you're starting a sustainable company too, it's like thinking about all of these pieces, right? And then thinking about how you can make packaging that's not toxic, that works mm -hmm. with the type of products that you have and doesn't, you know, make it something where, you know, you put it out into the world, but it has such a short shelf life, you're wasting your product. You know, there's so many infinitely small details that end up being big to think about in the beginning. And that's just right there. We're talking about just from the production side. That's the side that is maybe more tangible to most people. Mm -hmm. That's not like the business structure. That's not the, you know... Uh, just the finances that's not the branding there's so so much that goes into it it all needs to be taken care of in a way that's that's thoughtful or you know again it creates kind of this trickle down effect of instability in a company are the people coming to you surprised by all these details they thought it was oh we thought it was easier unfortunately i feel like i do have plenty of people that are surprised by the amount of details it takes to run a company But I also have some that are very, very well prepared. And that's always, you know, my favorite type to work with. Even if they don't know everything, mm -hmm. if they know that they don't know, that's enough preparedness for me to work with. But there's some people who come in and they're completely not prepared, haven't done their research and just have a wild hair that this is what they want to do. And again, that's great. There's room for many different types of folks. But at the same point, I support and encourage everybody who wants to start a company to do your research as much as possible and dig in before you start because you really should know what you're doing. And when I see people who don't have any idea of you know what the competitive set in their industry looks like, mm -hmm. but they want to start a product, it would be helpful for people who would like to start companies to put a little more thought into it than that. Yes. You know, see if what you're offering is truly relevant versus what's out there. Like there needs to be thought into that first. Yeah. You know, there's always room for more variations, but there should be thought around that first. Yeah, it's like uh, becoming a chef when they, they saw the, they see those those uh, those shows on TV and they say, "Oh, this is being a chef. This is great. This is easy." But they don't know what it is. <laughs> they haven't they haven't really done the. Yeah. They think it's glamorous and things like that, but you work in the kitchen for like 12 hours a day every single day. No. <laughs> no. 100 100%. 100%. yeah exactly are you ready to work and commit to your startup sometimes for 12 hours a day it's the same exact thing and this is why i say you know i worked in food and beverage before this as, as a sommelier in michelin starter restaurants and the hustle culture of food and beverage absolutely translates into the hustle culture of startups yes. It's just two different environments that can absolutely be and often are incredibly toxic. 
And navigating that with thoughtfulness is the only way you can really make yourself continue to stay healthy and well while doing so much. Yeah. What are the other biggest lessons that you learn from, from the food and wine world? Mm. The food and wine world, the positive lessons that I learned were just the value of human connection. You know, it's just food and beverage is a universal connector. This is, we sit around a table and we have a conversation and it turns strangers into friends, right? This is usually something that is always involved in some way, whether it's a glass of wine or a cocktail or just an incredible dish, you know, it's uh, it's something that is is very, very ingrained in every culture and society in the world as a point of connection. It's a universal thing. Well, it's it's a global thing. And I think outside of that, you know, food and beverage taught me humility. Mm -hmm. Because when you're in service to others and when you're in a restaurant, I think everybody should wait tables at least once in their life. I don't care who you are. I don't care for the richest person in the world. You have that experience. You know, it gives you a really different value for human interaction. You know, you see people, you're you're seeing people when they're hungry, when they're cranky, when they're in a rush, when they're, you know, doing business, whatever it is, and you're trying to be of service and be polite. It's a very humbling experience. And, you know, working in the startup world is as well, like, What a gift to be able to work with people to build a company from the ground up. Thank you for trusting me with this. You know, it's humbling. It's humbling to see something. It's like watching a baby take its first steps. Mm -hmm. It's exciting. And, and it's both yes. uh, it's both a very beautiful experience in the same way. Yeah. And what else? Yeah. And also food and beverage, as well as the startup culture, taught me to invest in myself and not compromise. Because... I definitely compromised my own well-being for working crazy long hours in the restaurant industry. You know, when I was taking my master's or sitting for my master's exam and studying for my master's sommelier exam, mm -hmm. I did that. Exhausting, you know, definitely compromising myself and, you know, compromising my health and wellness to try to shoot for something while I was working crazy hours and you know, and in the startup world as well, just, you know, running from coast to coast, trying to fundraise for a startup that I was a part of and just not saying, no, this is too much. You know, I got to a point where I had some health issues and I hurt my back. I got into a car accident one day <laughs> on the way to go pitch. Yeah, I was in like a multi-car accident on the highway on the way to go pitch my startup palette club. And I got out of the car and I just, you know, I had taken a red eye from san francisco to washington dc and i got in this three car accident on the way to pitch and i just got out of the car took another uber like put some makeup on my face and showed up and just you know i had some significant back problems after that that i just kind of ignored and you know had to take some time to to really heal and reset and it was just a, a whole byproduct and a symbolization of me not taking care of myself and in the service of some project and ideal that I thought was really important, but you know, did you raise the compromising money? Compromising is much more important. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least that. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> well, thank God for that. Yeah, yes. <laughs> absolutely. It was, it was a good experience. <laughs> At least that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's fascinating to see the, the service to be of service for others. And you realize that when you do something, startup almost any kind of industries you're in the service of others and when mm -hmm. people start to realize that 
the responsibility that is there is huge because it's not just your own gig and you know you can do things and do things your own way etc but at the end of the day there, there's someone else on the other side that is going to be receiving what you're offering whether it's wine mm -hmm. food services whatever it is media whatever it is and uh even though you can't control that it's uh it's super humbling absolutely just to realize the impact that you can mm -hmm. have on people through your actions big and small is important and you know again when we're talking about communications with mm -hmm. ombino again it's important i want all the messages that we're sending to the best of my ability to always be something around you know healthy sustainable companies we don't want to work with people that you know have histories of you know sexual harassment or you know, who have founders that run big oil companies, because clearly we are not aligned with their values, you know, and so I don't want to work with them to broadcast a more global message when I just don't feel aligned. And, you know, that's my personal thoughts. Mm -hmm. And my team and I are on the same page about this. And, you know, there's some people that think differently, but this is how we feel about it. And we try to be in integrity. And so, again, that means... That means not just chasing after money. That means chasing after the right clients and the right people yes. to work with. And the same with the startups and consciously planted. The products are important. You know, I want to work with founders who are aligned and I want to work with people who are doing things like themselves as people the right way and making sustainable products. There's people that I deliberately told no and said, this is great that you're making this beautiful product, but you are not running an ethical business. And respectfully, I decline doing any more work with you. That's the end. <laughs> and so that is, you know, we're, there's so many ways to create boundaries in the world and to create boundaries for ourselves. And it feels really good to do that. And I think the world needs a little more of that. Yeah. Those choices are sometimes, you know, in, in certain situations, they're very simple, but there's a lot of people that they would say, okay, is that, you know, we're at the fringe here. Why can't you just try a little bit to go over the, <laughs> over the edge and uh, to make those choices, not having that centeredness and that poise that you know that this is it. And, you know, the world is so big. There's so many things you can explore. If you say no to something that you really don't feel, it's fine at the end of the day. But there are people that are not really... They're not really there. It's just like, oh, there's temptation over there. A hundred percent. And I cannot say that I have not given into temptation and I have not oh, failed at that. <laughs> that would be that would be completely incorrect to say yeah, that I have not. We all do. Know, we learn. I have, <laughs> right. Yeah, I have, I have not always lived a hundred percent in those standards, but the reasons that at this point I feel very solid in these values and these concepts is because I've made plenty of mistakes. I work with plenty of, you know, the wrong clients. And, you know, even had, you know, communications and, and whatnot, where, where we worked on events and whatever, where things just did not feel aligned And that feeling of, you know, taking on a client that you're not aligned with. In general, you know, in some way, either emotionally, energetically, financially, it ends up being a bigger cost anyways. Yes. And so just learning when it feels like that. And even in interpersonal relationships, sure, you know, sometimes you have to go through things with people, right? You have yeah. to go through difficult situations. You have to solve things together. If it's like a relationship, it's the same thing. There's a commitment involved and you work through stuff. But there's also a point where, you know, do the scales tip even yeah. generally. 
is it valuable generally to you? Is it good for your health and well-being? And, you know, if we're talking about companies, if we're talking about businesses, is it good for the, you know, the global collective, the planet? If not, it's just not worth it. And, you know, by living like that, not everybody's going to live like that. But what we can do for ourselves, again, even as an individual or as a company, with the companies we're bringing in is set that example to the best of our ability and also just have a very clear conversation with each other when we're out of integrity. I really value that in my team. And I, I just want to give such a huge shout out to my team and all my business partners and Ovino and Consciously Planted. You know, we prioritize conscious leadership. You know, we're constantly learning about this. We work with actually a company called Conscious Leadership Group. And they created the book, The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership, which has changed my life. Um, and for me, it feels like a leadership system that's kind of based on Buddhist values without mm -hmm. being, you know, without imprinting any religious aspect, um, just as, you know, as a, mm -hmm. as a main principle. But, you know, it helps us to stay in integrity and to bring curiosity into questioning when what we're doing is truly in alignment. You know, are we above or below the line? That's the question that they have us ask, right? Are we above the line and leading from integrity? Are we working with companies and people with integrity? Or are we below the line and doing this for reasons that are based around, you know, need, scarcity, et cetera? It's important to know where we are and to ask those questions always and to just be okay with when the answer is we're below the line and okay, we need to fix it because that's when we can create the energy for that shift into a healthier space, a healthier, you know, client, better fit client, all of those things. Yeah, this is fascinating. It's so important to talk about what, you know, what you're talking about because very often people miss the point of that centeredness. Where are you coming from? Why are you doing what you're doing? Because if it's not rooted in something that is somehow solid, you know, you always, you know, learn and there's all things that change as you go along, but there, there has to be that, that core that is present. And in businesses, relationship, businesses, uh, travel, whatever it is, there's a purpose and that purpose comes from the core. And we don't talk about it a lot. We say, yeah, you have to do a, you have to have a mission statement and you have to have a vision. Yeah. <laughs> but you no, know, these are the, the theoretical things around it. But what you were talking about is so important that it's, it, if, if that core doesn't, is not there, the rest is not going to happen. It's going to be superficial. Mm -hmm. There's going to be something that it's going to break because along the way, it's so hard, so complicated. You just, it's not going to work. Absolutely. You know, one of the most impactful books that I read lately, I'm, I'm an avid reader, uh, was it was a book by Tich Nhatan, who's a great teacher. Mm -hmm. I love all of his works. And the book is called Zen and the Art of Saving the Planet. And it's really great because it's directly correlated to what I do. I just found this book and, you know, I wasn't even really being intentional. I was like, oh, this looks nice. <laughs> My friend recommended Tichnaton, great. And I read it and it was just super relevant because it talks about how in order to save the planet, in order to do anything that's of value, what we're doing starts with ourselves. 100% mm -hmm. starts with ourselves. It starts with our you know, microcosm. It starts with the things that are directly around us. We can't be ungrounded in ourselves and make a global impact that truly makes sense you know, it's not coming from a place of centeredness. So this working on all of this in yourself first is absolutely important. And then once you're solid there, 
you push it outward, right? You just continue to push it out and just work on everything around you. Again, big, small, you know, it, it just, it transitions out from you, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, so true, so true. Fascinating conversation. I could go on. Uh, we're getting close to the end with the pivot questionnaire, but I have one, one, one more question, and probably it's going to lead to other ones. But we're getting there. <laughs> yes. How do you see the future? Okay, let me rephrase. Just in how, general. How, how do you see yeah. your future? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, my future. I see a lot of really beautiful things in my future. I'm continuing to work with plant-based companies and just continue to bring beautiful products and services into the world again that replace the outdated ones especially in our food and beverage ecosystem you know I grew up in the world of food and beverage and I you know really value how much of an impact food and beverage has on the world from an economical standpoint from an environmental standpoint This is one of the biggest problems we're facing, you know, pollution from animal agriculture and all of these things. And there's so many options that are coming into the world, whether that's cell-based meat or, you know, alternative meat, alternative dairy, all of these things. And we just need to create more options. And I'm excited to be one of the people working on that. You know, because there's so many reasons why people don't eat fully plant-based, whether it's cultural or, you know, whether it's just values-based. How can we shift that? How can we make these options easy for them to shift that? Because a lot of times, you know, you hear so many reasons behind why people don't go plant-based. It's like, oh, well, I couldn't give up bacon. Or, you know, I just miss, you know, these cultural, like, specific foods. Like, I just would miss fried chicken, whatever it is, like. Let's make something better that just takes that all off the plate, you know, like cell-based meat. I would eat cell-based meat. I don't care. It doesn't kill any animals. It's good for me. And they say in like trials that more people prefer the cell-based meat over the animal, like proper animal meat anyways. So it's uh, it's something that's coming up. I think that can be really big and it takes the environmental stress off of our planet from creating meat. I'm all about it. You know, let's do that. Let's do precision fermentation. You know, we're growing like fungi based meats and labs that have the same nutritional profiles and relevancies as, as regular animal meat. And once there's a little bit more scale in the production, it's going to be even more economical for many reasons than creating animal meat. So yeah, I just, I want to continue to work on these things because I think we're just out of time. I don't want to sound bleak because I'm an optimistic, like positive person mm. as a general rule, that. but <laughs> You know, it's just it's just the the truth of the matter. You know, we're out of time to not make important decisions when it comes to many things, and food is one of them. You know, also finding ways to recycle, finding ways to clean up other types of pollution are important. But this is the the angle and the space that I can work from best and be the most impactful from. And so, this is what I've decided to focus on, and I'm just excited to keep doing it. There's, like I said, infinite possibilities for the things that I can keep working on right now. <laughs> and this is uh, this is important and urgent, and there's a huge amount of things to do. So you're going to be busy for for a long yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> so many things. I I will be busy for the rest of my life. They're going to have to strap me down to that hospital bed, and you know, then good luck to them. Still, it's going to be <laughs> me in my 90s running around, still trying to make an impact somehow. Nice, 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 nice way to look at 
how life can evolve. It's nice. <laughs> it's nice. So I said, unfortunately, we're getting close to the end. But before that, we always finish with the pivot questionnaire. Uh, I've been always asked, where do you get that from? Okay, so just a bit of background. <laughs> Marcel Proust, the famous French writer, <laughs> did the Proust questionnaire. Uh, that was the early 20th century. And then in the uh, towards the end of the 20th century, there was a show on French TV called Apostrophe. And the guy who was running this mm -hmm. was called Bernard Pivot. And he got all the famous writers all across. Well, it was a super intellectual, cultural show, this one in Bouillon de Culture afterwards. And he did an adaptation to that called the Pivot Questionnaire. And then inside the actor's studio, so we get closer to the US, James Lipton, okay, when he was interviewing all the stars from Hollywood and stuff like that, he always finished with the Pivot Questionnaire, like a hats off to Bernard Pivot in France. So I took the liberty to mm -hmm. take it on, change some of the questions, et cetera, and, and keep uh, the... Uh, uh, the tradition, basically. So this is where it comes from. And the objective, there's no, right, there's, there's no right or wrong answers around this. That's the first thing that comes to your mind. There is no beeping, so you can say whatever you want. Um, are you ready? Great. <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. What's your favorite word? Hmm. Consciousness. What's your least favorite word? Moist. Okay. That, that, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but you got to explain that to me. <laughs> I just think time. it's gross. <laughs> I don't know why. Really? There's so many people I know that just hate the word moist. I don't know why. It just makes me like <laughs> cringe. It just sounds so gross. It's like the grossest way to say something is damp or I don't know. It just sounds moldy. It just sounds gross. Okay. I can't I can't explain it more. It's okay. just no, yeah, I, I get this I get the feeling of it, yes. <laughs> Never thought of it. Because I was thinking like a, a moist cake or something like that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no okay. thanks. I know. <laughs> Your favorite virtue? My favorite virtue, integrity. Your favorite quality in a woman? My favorite quality in a woman is the ability to speak her mind. Your favorite quality in a man? Mm, if they have gentleness any... <laughs> and yes, they have money. I, I prefer <laughs> men with gentleness and who have the ability to really connect with their emotions what wine or dish or ingredient you can choose whatever would you use to describe yourself mm -hmm. what i used to describe myself that's a great question probably champagne is what i resonate with the most i like being bubbly sparkly effervescent and being the life of the party usually mm, nice Thank you. What aroma or smell do you love? Mm, lavender is one of my favorite smells. Or cacao. Cacao is also up there. Oh, nice. Lavender, south of France. There's lavender in, in, in California as mm -hmm. well, if I remember correctly. Yes. yes, there is. There's a lot of lavender in San Francisco, especially. What is your favorite curse word? Fuck. I say fuck all the time. And I actually really don't trust people that don't swear. So... <laughs> What sound or noise do you love? Hmm. I love the sound of I love the sound of gongs. Gongs are one of my favorite sounds. Oh, you have them in the ashrams. Mm -hmm. With the tigers. With the tigers, yes. <laughs> oh, you know, I went to Nepal recently, and they have these incredibly huge, deep, resonant gongs, and they were just so beautiful. It was like almost 
felt like a psychedelic experience oh. just listening to these gongs. It was pretty wild. I was a huge fan. Oh, beautiful. What sound or noise do you hate? Mm. What noise do I hate? Mm. Nails on a chalkboard. I think that's pretty standard. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is not <laughs> nice. <laughs> what plant or animal would you like to be reincarnated in? Mm. I definitely think I would like to become a tiger. That would be my next goal if this whole human thing doesn't work out. And last question. If heaven exists, uh, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? <laughs> hmm. He would probably say something like, Jesus Christ, you finally made it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Jenny Ferris-Davis, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. It was such a pleasure speaking with you today. I had a really nice time. <laughs>